Last week, we kicked off this series uh, called Better Together, and I'm so thankful that in the video, Lee used that phrase, better together, because guess what? We are better together. Church, we're better together than we are separate. And here's the deal. I believe this with my whole heart, and I think over the last year and a half, we've had a lot of different lessons to be learned. One of the lessons that we uh, that I hope we walk away and, and, and we learn from is the idea that we need each other. That we were not created to live life in isolation. We were not created, you were not created to live life in isolation. You were created for life with other people. And um, please don't hear what I'm not saying when I say things like that. I'm not making any kind of statements about Uh, not being careful when you're around people, when we need to be careful. I'm not saying anything like that, but I do know this, that God created you and he created me with a deep need for relationship with one another. In fact, one of the greatest, one of the first challenges that we see in scripture is when God created Adam and he said, it is not good for humanity, for man to be alone. And he created the better version, woman. Come on. I try. I try every now and then. No, but I'm serious. You were created for relationship with other people. It is deep within you. And we've learned in the last year when we live in isolation, there is something within us. Listen, it's off the charts right now. Depression, what isolation has created within us. And I'm telling you, uh, connectivity online Virtual connectivity is good, but it is not the answer to what God has put within you and me. And it's a need to be in relationship, to be known and cared for and loved and to know others and care for them and love them in a unique way. It's what in scripture, when, when we see the church begin uh, to, to emerge after Jesus was resurrected, crucified and resurrected, and we see this church, this gathering of people, not a building, the church was never intended to be a building, Uh, when this group, this gathering, this movement of people began to change the world, it wasn't it, it wasn't just a, a, a person standing up saying something. It wasn't about a statement. It was about an experience that a group of people had had with a risen person, human Jesus, that changed them and caused them to live in relationship in a, in a very counter-cultural way. And to be able to, for all of us, to enter into to relationship, one of the biggest needs is for us to plant ourselves. And that's what we talked about last week. If you were here, we talked about planting ourselves. And you said to the person next to you, plant yourself. You've gotta, we've got to be planted somewhere. And we talked about the redwood trees. Do you remember talking about the redwood trees? And um, some of you sent me pictures. Some of you stopped me with pictures. It was awesome. Uh, I even had a friend who stopped me, and she had a physical picture of um, the roots of a redwood tree. Uh, this week in the office, she, she pulled out this, this picture that she had taken, and she said, I couldn't believe it when I saw the roots of redwood trees. It just was amazing that the, the, how shallow they were, but how wide they go. And if you weren't here last week, here's, here's a picture. I think I have a picture of redwood trees. Um, the, the, yeah, there's some trees, big trees. And um, 
And what these redwood trees do, and I even learned a little bit more about redwood trees this morning, but what these trees do is they only, the roots only go down a certain depth, six to 10 feet probably, but then they go out 100 feet from the, the trunk and they intertwine and fuse with the roots of other redwood trees and the strength of the redwood trees, part of the strength is in the community of those trees because they are sacrificing for one another and giving one another the strength that, that, that's needed. And last week when we talked about that, I just, I think that is a picture of what God intended for the church to be, is for us to be planted in the good soil of his kingdom, for our roots to go out, to be intertwined and interconnected, and that we would sacrifice for the good of one another, to strengthen, to carry the burdens of one another when they need to be carried. We need, we need one another. So Paul, quick history. Paul was one of the very first Christians and what's interesting about Paul is he was a Jew. He started as a Jew, and Paul uh, was such a strict Jew that he believed that Christians were distorting the truth about the Jewish faith, and so he persecuted, he traveled and persecuted Christians and killed them for what they were saying and what they were doing. Paul did. And Paul makes his way throughout the known world, and he's, he's killing people, and and he has this unbelievable experience with the risen Christ. And you can read about the, the experience he has in the book of Acts. It's just amazing. And his whole life is transformed. And from that point on, Paul becomes a missionary. And his goal as a missionary, he goes and he preaches and teaches and all of that. But he sets up these small communities. And we see in what he does the beginnings of a, a transformation in the world. Now, I know this is so hard for us because we come to church, we see church, we've grown up with church, and for us, it's just, it's what it is. But in that world, there was nothing like what we have today, and we are here today because of what Paul started in the Middle Eastern world in a, in a remote area that we don't even think about. It's the reason that millions of people today, the world has been changed by the church. Did you know that? I don't know if you can tell, but I get a little excited about the church. <laughs> now, we don't, even, we don't even think about this, but the truth is, do you know why hospitals started? Yeah. Hospitals began because Christians took the teachings of Jesus seriously. Christian Followers of Jesus listened to the teachings of Jesus, and they believed that you shouldn't take sick people or people with diseases and push them out of your communities as, one, as was done with the lepers of the time, they believed you should actually take care of the people who are sick in the neighborhood. Hospitals exist. Some of you are gonna roll your eyes at me and you, you're gonna say, no, it's just about the money, Matt, and maybe it's gotten to be about the money, but it began with the teachings of Jesus. Mayo exists. Scottsdale Shea exists because Christians took the teachings of Jesus together seriously and they knew that we could do more together than we could ever do apart. And that's why hospitals began. You wanna know why colleges and uh, institutions of higher learning started? Because Christians believed everyone should be educated, not just a select few. Now come on church, that's our roots. Our roots changed the world for good. And you know what? God wants to do the same thing in our generation. 
He doesn't want us to be a group of people who gather together, sit down, sing some songs, listen to some guy who's not that funny, get up and talk. That's not what his, God's vision of the church is. God's vision of the church is that we would plant ourselves in the good soil of the kingdom together, that we would be intertwined, fused together, and that this world would be made better for everyone around us, not just for those in the church, for everyone around us because of our sacrificial love, like Jesus, for this world. And I'm, I'm like, I, I just get, I get jazzed about it about what God wants to do through us. And I don't want us to be a church that sits here on the corner of 124th and Shea and sees it all about us within a building doing the things that we've always done. Because listen, if we just keep doing what we've always done, we're gonna continue to get what we've got. If we wanna see a better world, we've gotta do some things differently and live on mission and sacrifice and commit to the other for the good of God's kingdom. Church, that's up to us. That is up to us. Now, Paul, I feel like I'm running for office or something right now. (laughs) Paul gave his life for this mission. He started all these little churches and he knew that he would probably die. Did you know that Paul in the 60s at some point makes his way to Rome because Rome is like the center of the empire at that time. He makes his way to Rome, and, and Paul was probably put to death by Nero. Have you ever heard of Nero, one of the most uh, angry uh, emperors of all time? Like Nero probably put Paul to death. But listen, when Paul died, God's mission didn't stop. Why? Because Paul had planted churches everywhere to go out and tell the good news of Jesus and live differently as a community. And he wrote a letter to the Roman church. It's called Romans He was super creative with the names that he put on his letters. (laughs) And I want to simply bring our attention to this this passage in Romans chapter 12 where he gets down deep into what do we do uh, as people who who claim to be changed by Jesus? What do we do with that? And in Romans chapter 12, all the way through, we have this list. And so I want to walk us through this. And I'm going to try to stay on time today because I know sometimes when I get stoked about certain things, I just start talking and I don't stop. And then Robin gets mad at me and I pay for it in the afternoon. And I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to stay focused. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, a few weeks ago, I, I, told, a, I told a joke in church. And it was a terrible joke that one of my friends told me about mufflers and dreams and stuff like that. And you guys were like, Matt, don't tell any more jokes. But I have a friend named Charlie now who she, I think, is she four? She's four years old, and now she, she tells me a joke every single Sunday. She comes up to me, and she stops me, and she tells me a joke. And today her joke was this. And never mind, I won't tell you. It was funny because it was the same question I asked today, like, what was, what's your favorite subject from school? And she said, what was the witch's favorite subject in school? And I was like, I'm not sure. And she said, spelling. <laughs> and I'm like, that's pretty clever for a four-year-old to pick up a joke like that. And she did. It was awesome. So <laughs> Paul wrote this, though. <laughs> Don't copy 
the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is, his good and perfect will. Don't copy. So look what, what, what Paul is saying is that we have some choices to make about how we live. And if we choose to set Jesus, not just as our Savior, but if Jesus is the Lord of our life, now those are two very different things, Jesus as our Savior, many of us love the idea that Jesus is our Savior, but we're not quite sure we want Jesus to be the Lord because that changes some stuff about how we live. But that's what Paul is saying is that Jesus is not just the Savior, he's also the Lord. He sets the path. That's why we as a church say we're a community following Jesus. Jesus is setting the path for us. So he's saying we've got some choices to make as humans if, if we're followers of Jesus. And one of the choices we have to make is if we will copy the behavior and customs of this world. And listen, this is the normal flow of humanity, is for us just to go with the flow of culture around us and just blend in without even thinking about it. In fact, our minds, the way our minds work, uh, neurologists would tell us that some, in, in some ways our minds are wired to, to take the easy path. And we make decisions based on what is easiest most of the time, and what is easiest most of the time is just to go with the flow, to like flow with what everything else around us is doing. And what Paul is saying is, is don't just copy what it is, that, like make some decisions which are difficult to not go with the flow, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Now, the, these two words, um, transform and conform, which Paul is using here, are very different. Conform, he's saying, do not conform to the ways of the world. Conform means to be made similar in form or type. In other words, it's like a, if, if we were like on, a, on an assembly uh, line and we were just being stamped one after the other and we would be made with like form as the ones in front of us. And he's saying, don't just get on that assembly line of life and be formed by everything around you. Instead, be thinking people who make decisions and be transformed, which is a thorough change in character, appearance, etc. Like, and he says this is an inward out kind of a change, that it begins on the inside. It, it, it actually begins with the way that you think. And he's saying, let God transform you. What's beautiful about this is that it's God's promise to change us. Like God is promising to, to change the way that you think, but it's your choice to either cooperate with God or cooperate with the world. Does that make sense? You either go with the flow, you cooperate with the world, or you cooperate with God and let him transform you, which is a beautiful promise that God says, I'll transform you, I'll make you new by the Holy Spirit within you if you'll, if you'll be a part of it. What's amazing about this to me is that it begins with this personal choice to not be conformed but to be transformed. But where Paul goes with this, now stay with me. I know I'm a Bible nerd. Stay with me just for a few minutes. I know I'm a Bible nerd, but this feels, um, it, it feels a little bit like a personal thing between us and God, doesn't it? He's saying don't, 
be conformed, instead be transformed. It feels like this like me and God thing. Like, and, and many of us have viewed faith as a me and God thing. In reality, what Paul does is he shifts here and he begins to talk about the beauty of a community and how we live together. And I think what Paul is doing is saying that this isn't just a you and God thing, it's a you and y'all thing as well. And here's where he goes, just as our bodies. I mean, this is, this is where he goes directly from this idea of don't conform but be transformed. He goes to just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a function, so it is with Christ's body, which is the church. We are many parts and we belong to each other. We have different gifts. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. He starts to paint this picture that we together are this body that God wants to transform from within. And when we cooperate with him, all of a sudden we live differently with one another. Now, he's going to go into this list, and I'm going to get there, and I'm going to ask you to pick out one thing from this list that he goes through and see what it is that God maybe points out for you because all of us need to, um, we need to cooperate with God, and there's different things that he gives us to, to be cooperating with, and some of us will see it. But we need to see that we're together as a body even though we look different and we have different, it's not about uniformity, it's about being, uh, being committed to the same God, being planted in the same soil. Are you with me? Are you still with me? I know I get real nerdy on some of this stuff, but I just want to, I want to keep you with me. So two quick examples of this. When I was in high school, I, uh, I played football, and we ran the 14 and 15 beer. And the 14 and 15 beer, for those of you who are athletes, it was a triple option. And um, as the quarterback, I had two choices to make. My first step was always that right there. I mean, it was just a quick step there. And then I took the fullback into the line, and I was looking directly at the defensive end. Tasha, you're the def defensive end today. And based on what Tasha did, I either handed the ball to the fullback, or I pulled the ball, and I ran around Tasha and went to the second level. And at the second level, whether it was a linebacker or safety, depending upon what they were playing on defense and where they had assigned their different positions, I would either pitch it to my, my running back, or I'd run it myself. I like to run it myself, to be honest with you. But what's interesting about this play, 14 and 15 beer, 14 was to the right, 15 was to the left. I know we were genius as football players, and we had things like that. What's interesting about this is I knew my step was here every time. I know my fullback, who started here, had to take his outside foot and put it right there on the guard's outside foot to be on track in the right place. I knew my left, or my right tackle had to take a veer step, dip his shoulder, touch the guard, if there was a guard, and go to the second level and catch the backside backer. I knew that. I knew my running back, my up back up here, had to take an outside swing and try to hook the other backer or get to the second level and catch the safety to only leave one person at me. I knew the guard here had to block straight up or try to hook this guy on the inside and push him back. And I knew all the steps that everybody in the line took. Now, isn't that weird that I knew all the different steps that everybody had to take? And here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's crazy that I remember it. I know. Some of you are like, does he live in yesteryear? <laughs> here's, here's why that matters. Because I knew every person, and our coach ingrained in us, that every person to the very last one mattered if we were gonna succeed as a team. 
Our running back breaking through the line, if I handed it to him, he was dependent upon that guard making the right step. Does that make sense? Every part had something different to do, but every part was vital to the whole. Some of you are like, I don't care about sports, Matt. Those are weird when you start talking about sports. Some of you get it. I also love music. How many of you love music? I watch, uh, old, yeah, yeah. I watch old documentaries of old bands. Have you ever heard of CCR? Anybody ever hear of Eagles? Eagles, you've heard of the Eagles? If you go back and you listen to the stories of people like CCR and the Eagles, you know why they broke up? Many of them? Many of them broke up because they couldn't decide whose song they were going to sing and which one was more important. Did you know that? Like, like what song are we going to, like, who writes the songs? Well, how about all of you write songs because it's beautiful when it comes together. But they began to fight with one another and not see the beauty of the whole coming together. That is the church. We are a community, and our strength is not found when any one of us is lifted up, but when all of us plant ourselves in the kingdom and sacrifice for the good of each other. And we've got to learn to live differently than the world. Come on, church. We've got to learn to live differently than what the world lives. So here's the list. He goes through it. And I'm going to say just pick out one or two things or let God pick it out for you. Just see what like, he raises in your mind. And I think something's going, to, something's going to pop up. Here's what he says. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Some of us are in a world and in a flow where we love what is wrong. And it's time to hate what is wrong and to hold on to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. I love this next line. Take delight in honoring each other. Some of us need to honor others. We need to give props where props are due. And honor one another. Don't be lazy, but work hard. Rejoice in our confident hope, which is Jesus. Be patient in trouble. Some of us need to learn patience. Anybody? Patience? Just me? Okay, one other. I got one other friend in the room. Patience? Be patient in trouble. Keep praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be ready to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God would bless them. Come on now. That is not the ways of the world. But Jesus says, Paul writes to us that Jesus is the one who said, we're to love our enemies. We're to love the ones who persecute us. And pray that God would bless them. I love this next little phrase. Be happy with those who are happy. And weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I told you something was going to pop up. Somebody just said amen down here. I guess they got their one. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil for evil. Now, isn't this a great list of how to live in community? It's not an easy list, but it's a sacrificial list. Never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. 
If you, don't, if you haven't found one yet, just take that one because we all need that one right now to do everything that you can to live in peace with everyone. Like we all need to take that one and work on it. Not work on it. Cooperate with God on it. We need to cooperate with what God wants to do in us. Never take revenge. Never take revenge. Some of us, that needs to be the one. And then this little section ends with him saying, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by digging in your heels and fighting with everything that you are. That's not the words of Paul. Come on. (laughs) Don't let evil conquer you. But listen, church, here's the way to conquer evil. Do good. Do good. Find ways every single day every single day to do good to other people. That's how we will change the world and be the community that God wants us to be. This is how the church changed the world in the first century. And it was the growth of the church which eventually led to us being here. And listen, church, God God wants to do that again. He wants to change the world. He wants this world to experience his kingdom, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his love, his hope, his peace. But it's, it's up to us cooperating with him, joining with him. This morning when we were talking about groups and all of that, it's not the end all, but it's one of the ways that we can better be in community with each other it's through groups and studies and classes and serve teams and all those different things. I want, I want to end with a quote um, from a pastor named John Mark Comer, and I've been reading uh, a lot from him and listening to him. He's interesting, fascinating pastor. Um, but I want to I want to close with this as a little bit of a call to us. He, I mean, this spoke to me. And here's what he said: He said, "Live in a thick web of interdependent relationships." Live in a thick web of interdependent relationships, connectivity. Quietly defy the individualism that's wreaking havoc across the West. Now, church, we are more connected as a people and also more depressed because our connections aren't deep relationships, they're just acquaintances. And what Paul, or what what John Mark is, is pointing out is that our move in the West has been increasingly individualized. This idea that you can do it on your own, demand your own rights, and he's saying quietly defy that. Not like standing up and shouting and all. Quietly defy this individualism. Surrender your autonomy to love. Surrender your autonomy to love. Place yourself in the constraint of community for it is there that we are set free. And he continues, give up your preferences for the sake of other people. Give up your preferences for the sake of other people. Enroll in the school of agape. When you fail a course, which you will do, 
which I will do. When you fail a course, throw yourself upon God's mercy and come back to the table. Eat the bread, drink the wine, ingest the forgiving love of God in this community. Repent. Repent again and again and again and again because you're going to keep failing and I'm going to keep failing and relationship is messy and community is messy. Risk vulnerability. We will get hurt and we will hurt in return. Oh, wait. Hey, two more slides. Go, go, keep going. Oh, keep going. Keep going. Repent and repent again. <laughs> Risk, yeah, yeah, yeah. Risk vulnerability. We'll get hurt and we will hurt in return. And that's part of facing grace, to do this together. Our greatest wounds come from a relationship. How true is that? Our greatest wounds in life come from a relationship. But so does our greatest healing. It comes from a relationship. Doing the hard work of community, the risk is worth it. Um, let's, let's stand and told you I'd try. I didn't quite get there, but church, let's be the church. Let's be the church. Let's be reminded that this is how God wants to change the world. A community of people, a movement that is marked by love and committed to sacrificial love for the good of the other. Let's be that people. Romans chapter 12, take it and read it. And let God raise up what he needs to raise up in your life. Amen? All right, have a, have a good week, church. Stop by out there. Check out the groups. We'll see you next Sunday.